This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High Performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness, craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to Efficiency on Demand, everyone. Today, I have a guy that I'm really, really excited to introduce to you. He is actually not that far from me. I'm in Thailand. He's in Singapore. And I'm super excited to finally chat someone in my side of this world. So please help me welcome Steve Tan. Thank Hi, you so Monique. Much. Thanks for coming Hi. on the show. <laughs> Thank you for inviting. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Please introduce yourself, just who you are, what you do, and um, yeah, and we take it from there. Sure. So my name is Steve Tan. I come from Singapore. So I've been an e-commerce entrepreneur for about 13 years from now. So I run multiple business. I have like softwares, e-commerce, I have brands, dropshipping, agency. So kind of like a diversifying my race across a lot of different business models, but I kind of focus more on e-commerce. So a lot of things that I've built, it's all like related to e-commerce. I love that. And we talked a little bit about it. So uh, Steve and me are on the video, as you should know by now when you listen to my podcast. And so in his background, you can see kind of a wall with a mural that looks like a Super Mario. Uh, just give me a little run of what it, we can see there and why you have it there. So like people call us, I mean, we have a group of Facebook people, they call us the Super Tan Brothers. So kind of like we fought like Super Mario Bros, right? So we just yeah. call us the Super Tan Bros. <laughs> so kind of like we have this background drawn by an artist in Singapore. So we kind of like gave him the concept of what we want. And we kind of like want it in a more like not so modern way. So that's like a bit retro. That's so kind of like, you know, in a game aspect whereby the... We have the Red Mario, that's me. And we have the Luigi, that's like my brother, Evan, there. <laughs> and we have like some like companies that we work with often. And also like, you know, we have some quotes that, that we'd like. Yeah. For example, like from Mark Zuckerberg, he has like Senator, we, we run ads. So there's like some funny things we kind of like uh, have there. And we have like in, inspired quotes. Like if you don't build your dreams, someone will help you, will help hire you to build this. In a sense, like, that reminds us every single day that we are working towards our dreams. And like, you know, there's all these things that we're doing here to keep us uh, motivated at times. I love that. Tell me a little bit more how you and your brother got to work together and how you got started in e-commerce and all of that software environment that you're in. Yeah, for sure. So I started off in like, you know, I started my entrepreneurship in probably in 2005. And like, I was trying to do everything online. You know, I think the easiest thing that I was, I was doing is like how to make money online on Google, right? <laughs> so I think I came across a course that teach people how to like, you know, make money online. So I bought the course. I, I, I kind of like, that's my first dips into digital marketing. It's, it's called internet marketing back then. 
So I was kind of like a very interested in how I could start a business with so little money because I was, I was a poor student back then, right? So I was going through everything and I tried every single thing that I could, like selling digital courses, like ClickBank, Athlete stuff, AdSense, building like money sites, like trying to add, earn money from AdSense and all kinds of stuff. I did pretty much everything. And guess what? I was still broke. So uh, I, was, I, was, I was living a pretty tough life, but, and, and I was trying to find like, you know, solutions to kind of like break through from like not making money. And eventually uh, I have to go to China because like, you know, my mom was uh, like investing in there in some business. So I kind of tagged along. So I was exposed to like a lot of manufacturing. I was exposed to the wholesale market in China, uh, specifically in EU, where it's one of the biggest wholesale markets in the world. So, and I, I feel that there's a lot of opportunities to buy and sell the products from China to international markets. So I, was re- I did a lot of research and I actually came across something called eBay, right? So eBay was great. And so I was, I was kind of like buying drop shipping. So I, I, I listed the products that was available by the suppliers and I only ordered the stocks when I sold the product, right? So back then, I didn't even know it's called drop shipping. I was just trying to like reduce my overhead, right? Because I really <laughs> don't have a lot of money. So I was only buying and selling and like I was buying probably like five to 10 pieces at a point of time, you know, because like, usually they wouldn't sell to you if you're just buying one or two pieces. Yeah. So like long story short, it actually went pretty well. And it's kind of like the first online business that actually made me money. So I was like super excited because I've never like really made quite a decent amount of money online. It was probably just a few hundred bucks back, you know, selling, trying to sell things for people, being an athlete or something. But this whole eBay thing was like so easy. I just have to take really good photos, a good uh, title, optimize my listings a little bit and just list it on eBay and sales starts coming in. I was like, wow, that's not too hard, right? So I started scaling it and it, it was my first pot of gold. I made probably 100000 from it, and that was when I started dropping out of school. So I was at college in China, and I decided, oh, you know, probably college is not for me. I started becoming a little bit, like, you know, a little bit cocky, confident, overconfident, like, school's not for me, you know, I'm cut off for business, so guess what? I dropped out of university. <laughs> and the next thing that happened was, shit happens. So I received an email from eBay, like you're suspended. Like, and the next thing I, I got was like my PayPal account was suspended and there's really no good reasons. They just tell, they gave you like really vague reasons. Like, you know, you violated like some policies and everything. So we don't want you on the platform. So I was like a power, or also power, power seller and going like, and I pretty much had all my funds inside PayPal because like PayPal is so convenient back then, you know, everything like you just have to pay your suppliers through PayPal and just receive your money. So Guess what? I didn't withdraw majority of my money, even though I earned good money. I probably withdrew less than like 20, 30%, which is enough just for like my own living expense. And turns out like, you know, they have to hold your money for six months. That's when I kind of like realized that if I'm selling on someone else's platform, I don't own the customer's data. I don't have access to the emails and everything. So that kind of like really had a bad experience for myself that like I really need to do something outside of the platforms. So I went on a search of like trying to build my own sites. So back then I don't even think like, you know, Shopify is like even super well known. And so I used something called Magento. 
So Magento, it's like the old school e-commerce platforms, but it's very technical. It's very programming heavy. So meaning to say that if you're not like a developer or if you're not someone that's technical, it's very hard for you to do everything. So like being a business student, like international business student, like I have no clue on anything that comes to like HTML development and everything. But, you know, I have to, but with all the fun slots for six months, you have to, I, I picked up some HTML coding, you know, just to get things working, right? So I built my own HTML sites and eventually I hired a developer to help me set up like Magento. And that was like my first tips into like setting up my own stores. It's not like so easy with like Shopify, just a few clicks here, you're done. You have a website online. So it's very, very different. It's, it's, so, it's so easy right now compared to like, you know, back in those days. So I'll, I think I was kind of like lucky because I was forced into looking for alternatives, like, you know, being able to control my traffic, being able to do SEO to my listings, being able to do paid media. So the, the way we generate money back then for our own sites, it's mainly through SEO because like I, I wasn't like a media buyer. I don't know anything about like, you know, paid traffic. So, but I think I was lucky to come across an article that you should run some ads on Facebook because they, they just launched. So I think, I think that that's probably in 2008, right? Late 2008, I was testing some Facebook ads and like, wow. So we were doing about probably like 15 to 20,000 profits just from SEO alone, like in 2008, but it's good. It's good money, but it's not something that's going to make huge difference to your life, right? It's not like going to buy you like, like your, your, your house or like, you know, your Lamborghini or whichever, whatever you like, right? It's good. You know, life's good, like as a dropout. But I started exploring things about paid media and I came across Facebook. So I think I was lucky in a sense, like being able to use Facebook ads so early gave me like a huge kind of like uh, inspiration whereby you could drive traffic to your site. And I, we went from like, you know, 30K to over like probably $100,000 in a single month just from Facebook ads alone. I was like, I mean, I've never ever done that kind of, I've, I've made 100,000 through like probably a year in, on eBay, but I've never ever did 100K in a single month. I was like, I was blown away to be honest. I was like, damn, this, this is like, this is so good. Right, it's so good, and and we start doing, we start scaling, and like we build the business up. I think at peak, we're doing probably like four to five hundred thousand in revenue per day, uh, per, per month. Sorry, per month. So that was like really good back then. But I was like, I have no friends that's in the same trade. I, I'm not in Facebook groups. I don't, I don't think that's Facebook groups back then, right? I, I wasn't involved. I don't network. I don't like have friends that's in the same industry. So. I think that's a bad thing because you have no one to look up to, to kind of like push you forward. And you kind of think you're the king of the top, right? <laughs> yeah. And you have no motivation. So I was like, I was thinking things slower. You know, I kind of like felt that, you know, I was at my peak and one, I wanted to do something different. And I started to, I, I, and I came across something called Groupon, right? So Groupon is like a billion dollar company back then. And, and I was in China. So I was like, maybe I could copy the business model from US and do it in China, right? And when I was doing it already, it's like I invested probably like 1.5 million because I, I do have like a lot of cash lying around back then, right? 1.5 to 2 million, I think around there. And like, because I thought 
that's going to be my new baby. It's going to be like, because like, I think Groupon was valued at like a billion dollars and above back wow. then. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like a billion dollar company and it raised so much money. So I was like, e-commerce is too slow. E-commerce, like, you know, even at like four or 500K per month, right? That's a, you only do like five, six million per year. You're not, there's no way close. You're going to get to a billion dollars in valuation or whichever, right? So being the entrepreneur, I kind of like, you know, I dropped, I kind of like dropped the e-commerce thing and I thought like this is going to be my next big ticket. So I went all in, I went to Shanghai, I set up the, the sites and I hired a lot of people and I was up against 30,000 competitors in less than six months doing the exact same business model in China. Really? 30,000, yeah. No way. It's crazy. Like, I mean, China's like, you know, I mean, I mean, if you look at the landscape of competition in China, it's so different compared to like US, like anywhere else. Even in, I mean, Singapore, you can't compete nowhere close to how aggressive the entrepreneurs there are. Like, it's crazy. So like a lot of them raised a lot of VC funds. So they started poaching my people. They started undercutting my deals, like everything. It's like, I mean, it's, they're playing dirty, but it's part of business, right? So probably in like, I have to, I was forced, I ran out of funds in one, one and a half years and I got an offer to buy us out, but it was a shitty offer. It's just, they're just trying to like, you know, get our, get our leads, get our customers, get our people into the company. So I, I just said no, I, and I just closed down the company and I went back to like Ningbo, which is like in, it's probably like two hours from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I went back, to, I went into like cosmetics. So I, I imported cosmetics, like, you know, like, you know, L'Oreal and all that kind of stuff, different kind of like brands, because like, it's usually cheaper to buy in like European countries or US, right? So I bought it in and I sell it like to all my audience that I, I've nurtured from the Groupon business model it was doing okay but it was nothing exciting that like you know it's generating it's probably generating less than like 10k profits per month it's nothing exciting because i've i've seen big money and i wanted to see more right so it's 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 really sad because like you know like you've been there and you drop you fall to the bottom you lose so much money and like you have to kind of like build up from scratch again and there was like one of the uh, worst times and like my mom's health didn't, was, wasn't really good. So I have to go back to help her out. And she runs a manufacturing business in Ningbo. So lucky me, I, I have a place to stay when my, my business failed, right? So I went back to help her out and like run the manufacturing business for probably a year. It wasn't something I liked. I really hate manufacturing because it's so different compared to startups, e-commerce, digital marketing and, and all, right? And it, it was tough, but I have no choice. So I went back to help her out and probably in one and a half years, I learned a lot of stuff about manufacturing, how things work, how, how people build new products from scratch, the molding, production, and all the kind of different, all the detailed stuff on how you could get your product to be manufactured in China. It was, I, think it was a, I think it was a blessing in disguise that I learned all that kind of stuff. But, and there was that, that time when like one of my friends came to me and said, hey, Steve, like, let's do something together. So I'd known this guy for probably about like four or five years, four or five years. Like he's a Taiwanese guy. <laughs> he's a Taiwanese guy, right? And, and he said, hey, let's do something like Pebble Smartwatch, right? So Pebble Smartwatch raised 10 million on Kickstarter in 2012 or 13. 
and said, could you, do you think you could, could you, do you think you could use your marketing skills and raise like hundred thousand dollars? I said, yeah, it should be easy. Right. People did 10 million, like hundred percent. is like, what it's like 1%. I was like, yeah, that's, that's super easy. So he said, Oh, let's do this. So I came up with the brand, the design of the product and everything. So it's kind of like a more ODM partnership, you know, so we'll do the, like the design of the brand. So he will take care of all the, you know, the research and development of the product, you know, the in- internal electronic parts, the, the connection from the app to the smartwatch and all that kind of Bluetooth stuff. So I thought this guy was really good. You know, like he's really charismatic. He's really nice. I mean, I mean, I've been friends with him for like a couple of years, right? So he, 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 he comes off as like, like a very charismatic guy with resources. And so I kind of bought into the whole story. So we partner up and we did, so long story short, we did 1.5 million instead of $100,000, right? In 2013. And things were going well. Like we get a lot of like, you know, emails. We get a lot of requests from top tier VCs. They come knocking down our doors. We got like, you know, a lot of big like companies wanting to resell or like distribute our product in the US internationally, you know, all the big brands. So we are like, I was like, oh my God, finally I've waited till like something big, you know, it's way bigger than what I've built before. And like, it's a brand, it's like electronics. I can distribute it to the world and it's going to be like a big seller. And when, when the time starts coming closer to delivery, he starts giving me a lot of, there's a lot of delays. Like, Hey, you know, things are not, um, you know, this is not ready yet. We should delay it. So whenever you announce a delay, you're going to get a bidding from your backers. People are like, Hey, why you promised this date? Why is it being delayed? Right? So I have no choice, but I have to delay it. But the thing is like, nobody knows this guy exists. My partner exists because mm-hmm. I'm the CEO, right? I'm the face of the company. So nobody knows that I ex- uh, this, my partner exists. So whenever I get like, uh, whenever I announce a delay, I will get a, a bunch of refunds. We'll get a bunch of unhappy customers and that's with like every delay. So eventually we delayed like probably like four or five months. Like there's no research and development going on. Like, you know, he's just buying it from another reseller, a factory. And like, I mean, I haven't done my full due diligence because like I trust him as a friend. Right. But when things get hitty, you know, I was like pushing him for answers and he came clean that like, hey, sorry, I, I didn't have any, everything ready. So I, I scrambled to build a team for tech, for app development in the Philippines, just so that we can connect the, the application with the smartwatch. Mm-hmm. So we, we promised a lot of things for a smartwatch, like, you know, waterproof, like seven days, like charging times, like it, a lot of things. It's kind of like you promise people a Ferrari and you get delivered a Toyota. Right? <laughs> so it was, it was super bad. It was like super bad. I was like, I was, I was like, I was labeled like, um, you know, when I start, when we stop, we haven't started de- delivering for people and all the huge delays, you know, a lot of backers start pulling out like photos from my Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And like they, they pull out a picture that was taken in 2009, like when I was posing with a Ferrari, my friend's Ferrari. And they said, all right, this Asian dude took the 1.5 million and bought himself a Ferrari. And like, and the press starts sharing the post. I was covered on like, you know, media, like big media outlets, like saying, all right, this guy like just took the money. You know, he bought a lot of like luxury goods when the picture was like 2000, like it was like four years ago. But 
the media don't care. The media only cares what gets them the most eyeballs, right? And I was hit really hard, you know, even though when we shipped out everything, you know, the things weren't really good, to be honest. But at least we did our best to ship out every single product. I was hit really hard. We, our, our money was drained because like my, my partner kind of like siphoned a lot of money out of the company using different companies that I wasn't aware of. Like it's like, hey, we need to stock up our products. But at that point of time, business was great. We got so much requests from big companies that wants to distribute our products. And it makes sense to stock up like inventory for like some like the, the, uh, the screens and everything for their watch. So eventually I have to close down the company and it was, it was a really tough time. You know, I was hit like I, I, I spent all my money on this project. You know, I was hit really hard on PR and I started a new project because I thought like if I could do it like, before I could do it again, right? So I raised some money from like some angel investors. I showed them like, you know, like Prayos and everything and said like, you know, now is the best time to do wearables, you know, and Bluetooth technology and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of raised a bit of money to kind of like kickstart a new brand called Uvo. And like with that said, this whole thing was great, but we kind of like modeled a competitor. So the, the concept wasn't like original. So we launched the product. It was great. We sold uh, probably 10, 15,000 units in a week. But we were like generating all the leads through paid media and it wasn't enough to sustain the whole operation. So like after that, I have to close the whole company. It was, it was really sad because I have, to, I have to let everyone go. I have to fire all my stuff who have been with us for a while. And I think that was like kind of like the lowest point in life for myself. You know, I lost everything. I lost all my money. I have no like, you know, friends to kind of like share the news and all that kind of stuff. So my only point of like sharing was like my, my family, my mom, my, my brother, right? So I went back to Singapore because I was based in China back then. And I was like, you know, I rented a really small Airbnb because I have no money, right? I borrowed money from my mom. Like, hey, I want to, I just tell her I want to like, I just want to go back to Singapore. You know, probably China's not for me. You know, business is not for me. And like, you know, she's so worried that like, that I might be societal because like I've lost everything. I broke up with my girlfriend, you know, she was understanding and everything, everything just collapsed literally hundred percent. So she was like, so afraid, like, she's like, Hey, you should like, you know, just, 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 just take things slowly, you know, just let us know if, if there's anything we can help you with. I said, yeah, I just want to move back to Singapore. I just don't want to do anything. So I took, I borrowed like 5,000 from my mom and I rented a house that cost like a room, not a house, a room that cost like probably like 400 US per month. So I have everything in one single room, like my fridge, my washing machine, my shower, my bed, my TV, my Netflix, everything all in one and 400 bucks in Singapore. And, and one of the, the furthest out corner of Singapore, even though Singapore is like, you know, you see it's fancy, but there's places that's like far out. It's super far. So I got myself a place there and I was just like doing nothing pretty much every day. And do you want to make a guess? What, what, what was the next business I went to? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I want to take a guess how long it took you. I think you barely made it two weeks to not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then you probably went back into dropshipping. Nah, you're close, but not quite there yet. So it, I was doing pretty much, I was in Singapore for six months. 
But I was like, I thought I was Superman, to be honest. But I was depressed. I was honestly depressed because like I was working so hard mm. every single day for the for the two startups, right? I was doing like I was putting all my efforts in unboxing, product design, branding, and everything. So I was burned really hard. I was like so tired. I barely have any rest uh, across the two three years, right? So I was like, I was I was totally burned out. So and. One thing I was thinking is like I really want to build back up my wealth really quickly, so I went into forex, right? I went to forex trading, right? You can't believe it, right? You could have right? said Bitcoin. I would have been like, yeah, <laughs> forex trading, sure. <laughs> yeah, I should I should have bought Bitcoin back then, right? Probably um, with the five thousand bucks. <laughs> probably would have been like, what what year was that? It was like two thousand fifteen. Yeah, around there. All right, would have yeah, been way cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, it's cheap, right? So, but I went to Forex and I borrowed like, I borrowed money from my mom again, not a lot of money. And I blew up, I blew up all the money again. So it made me even more depressed because like I lost money from my, like my mom that's supposed to be used to kind of like help me tie through this hardship, right? And I was really depressed. And I think one of my good friends, like, I think we were having a beer and he said, why are you doing this? Why are you even in Forex, right? Like, why are you even doing this to yourself? I was like, dude, I have no money. I have to build back my wealth, right? And he said, it could probably take you 10 years to be even good at Forex trading, right? A lot of things you see out there, 90% of them are scams. Name me someone that you know that's, that makes a good living through Forex. Right. So I was like, okay, so you're saying I might not be good at Forex. I said, he said, yeah, that's, that's right in your face. And I said, I said, dude, I don't have 10 years. I, I don't have 10 years. Like I don't have 10 years to, to do something that's unknown. That's a big question mark, right? That I might not be even good at it. So it really gave me a, a epiphany moment right there. Like, and he said, why don't you just go back and do e-commerce? I was like, yeah, you're right. I should do something that I have my foundations. I have things that I know that it works, right? So even though like dropshipping is a little bit different from branding, you know, I like, but I kind of felt it's something that I could, you know, leverage on. So I called my suppliers uh, who I still maintain good relationship throughout the years, my friends at Facebook and all that. And I was just like wondering what's the landscape like because I haven't been doing like, you know, for, for a while. Like I was so involved in doing brands, building brands and didn't work out for me. So I said like, because I used to sell products that are like higher ticket. It, it's not like the typical 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks products that, you know, you typically see on dropshipping stores. So I, was, I usually use really fast shipping. I care about shipping times. I care about like, you know, the products and everything. So I called my suppliers like, how is like, I'm seeing a lot of ads, people doing drop shipping. I was like, how are, are these people even making a profit shipping products that's like 10, 20, 30, $40? He said, all right, there's something called e-packet in China. I was like, why didn't you tell me that before? He said, oh, because you like fast shipping, right? So I've never recommended that to you before. I was like, okay, that makes sense. So... I decided that I want to get back into the whole dropshipping. So after having the chat with my friend, I packed my bags the next day and I flew back the, the, the day after to China, right? I flew back there like really quick. I, I always make my decision very quickly. Once I, once I know what I'm doing, 
like it's like there's a no brain. I just I just fly book my tickets and fly back. And at least I have a place to stay with my parents, right? So I stayed with my mom and there was like I, I don't have any expenses, I've no cars, I've no house. I just like I, I was just there grinding out every single day. So and that was the time when my brother graduated from university. But my brother have, has been helping me out with Krios and my startups and everything. And like, he's been like, the kind of like behind the scenes, helping me out, free labor. You know, when you're starting out, you need a lot of free labor, right? So my brother was like helping out me, me with a lot of things. I shared with him like my success before I do, it, uh, do like e-commerce. So he was kind of like inspired to like join me. But being the typical traditional like mindset, he was more keen in joining like a Fortune 500 like startup, like probably McKinsey or like some marketing firm. I was like, dude, if you want to join like a marketing company as an intern, you're probably not going to learn as much as joining me, right? So I kind of talked him out in like joining those companies and kind of like join me as a, like a partner. And I think it was kind of like doing the right things at the right time. So I think using all our resources, our context, we got back into the whole dropshipping game and like it was it was quick for us because like with all the experience like we were able to scale to over a million dollars in the first month alone like that was like the uh, the biggest like you know i would say the biggest confidence booster for ourselves to like damn we could do things so fast but just some disclaimer because like i've i've known my suppliers for a long while they trust me as a person and as a friend so they were able to extend a credit for me, you know, when I was just starting out. Because like, to be honest, when I was starting out, my supplier is a small player in the market. Ours is his first pot of gold and I helped him become like at least a small reach in China. So, I mean, he, he went on and became a big entrepreneur in China in the logistics and fulfillment company niche. So when I, I told him my story, he was, he, he was really sorry for me and he extended like a half a million US dollars in credit for me. That really helped turn things around because like dropshipping, you have to buy your suppliers. Then before you ship out, you're, you're supposed to pay and clear out your, like, your shipping fee with your suppliers. So working with him, he allows me to pay in three months. That helps so much, right? When I hit the first on the 500K credit, I have to start paying him off. But before that, I have a lot of leeway in terms of scaling my ads. So all the money that comes into my merchant accounts with Stripe or PayPal, I could use that and reinvest back into the business without having to pay it out so soon. So that's kind of like my disclaimer, how I was able to scale so fast, even without like much money, like pretty much from scratch. So that built up our whole momentum. It builds up our foundation, like having, I mean, literally from zero, I was like so intrigued on how, like how we can build back things from scratch. Because like back then I feel so helpless because like a lot of things requires money, like ad products. So, which is why I'm a huge advocate for dropshipping because it literally saved my life. It literally rebuilt everything. Of course, a lot of people complain it's, it's like you should build a brand you should build like things that like you know fast shipping fast everything good product quality yes that's right but it's hard building a brand is not like 100% going to be successful right and the thing with a lot of like people talking about theory like of course when when you have a brand that you own that's successful it's easy to say that 
But if you if you have like if you if you build ten brands and probably failed in ten brands, right? It's it's hard. And chances are, people that are listening to you, right? A lot of them probably don't have the kind of money that certain entrepreneurs have, like you know, a war chest to start a business, right? It takes decent amount of money to get involved in like building like a, a very nice brand, like you know. Research and development, and a lot of things requires money, which is why I highly suggest people, as always, to always start out using doing something that's smaller, that's like within your capabilities, rather than like trying to climb Mount Everest the first day you start trekking. So you know, I, I get attacked a lot sometimes where people say, "Oh, you know, you, you should do, you should should not tell people to do dropshipping. They should be focusing on brands." I said, "Yeah, that's right. I I tell people to do brands when they are successful with dropshipping because like dropshipping builds you a good foundation on how to do market research, product research. It builds up your skill sets with Facebook ads, which are all necessary skill sets that will be applicable when you start your own brand." Rather than investing a bunch of money into like building your brand and selling something that nobody even wants, guess what? You have probably invested fifty thousand in opening and research and development your product. So, so yeah, that's kind of like how we rebuilt up everything. And one thing we did was we started sharing a lot on Facebook groups. Like we thought, like because I understand and relate to people that really have no money. Because like being up there, up at the top, and going right to the bottom, I know it's really hard to kind of like do things without like systematic ways of approach. So when I start posting my screenshots, I get like a bunch of like people that's happy for me, people that wow, uh, this like this 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 young kid from nowhere started sharing like big screenshots. So. Those screenshots are still small compared to what I shared in the future. So I started sharing a lot of value in, in a lot of big groups. I was sharing how how we did it, how you guys could did it, how we do our product research, how how we do our scaling, what's our, our what's our methodology behind all this uh, all these things. And we got a lot of Facebook message. We got a lot of like uh, people like thanking us for like sharing things with them. So, but we got so much message that we can't cope, and it's taking up so much time. So that led me in building our own group called e-commerce elites mastermind Facebook group. It's about like 85,000 people right now. But back then we started it with an intention of probably it's going to be like only 200 people, hundred people, right? Because like, we just don't want to be replying to every single one's private message is so time consuming. And eventually it grows so fast and until like, we're like, Oh my God, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, they're, they're uh, the response is great because like we're adding so much value for free. And eventually, uh, there's one day we, we cracked uh, $360,000 in a single store in a single day, one day. And we're like, oh my God, yes, we did it. We're so happy. We're super glad that we did it. So I posted all the, the screenshots online and I started getting attacks by all the haters. Like... This is, this is a fake. This is fake. How could someone do $360,000 in a single day in one store? So I, get it, I start getting attacked in all the groups. Like I'm sure you know the, the hurt, hurt mentality. When, when someone starts attacking you, everyone starts jumping into games. Like, oh yeah, this, this is the, the same guy 
that did chaos and scam people, bought a Ferrari and all kind of things. I was like, and because like back then I start, I hide, I hide this story about Krios because like, I'm not sure if it's going to be a good story or is it going to be a bad story? Mm-hmm. Because like people don't care. Like most of the people online, they just see what people see, right? They don't care about what really goes behind the scenes. The truth is I was really proud of the project because like back in 2013, you know, it's not easy to raise 1.5 million from crowdfunding sites because crowdfunding wasn't even like mainstream back then. It yeah. takes a lot of marketing skills, a lot of planning to pull out a project that's able to do 1.5 million. I was, I was really proud about my team, you know, our, our, our prep work and our marketing plans and everything. But I was really scared in sharing this story because I'm not sure if our community is ready to take this out. So I deleted all the posts externally. And I started get, getting hate messages on my Facebook message, like, hey, stop sharing things with people. Like, you know, you're just a scammer or whichever. So I was, I was, really, I was really depressed. So I told my brother, like, dude, I think we should just come clean. You know, just tell people what really went on. So I wrote, I think it's like a 5,000, I'm not sure how many words, but it's a really long article, right? I, lo- I wrote a really long article in my group, like saying, and I was like telling them what happened. Like, here's all the details. And I wrote a post like back then in 2013 as well, the rise and fall of Krayos. It's on Medium. I told them, hey guys, like, and I, I run everything through like a video as well, showing them live of our store, our numbers, our videos, of the numbers coming in. And we started getting a lot of people uh, starting like saying, sorry guys, we didn't know this was possible. Like, you know, we have never seen this kind of numbers before. And we started getting a lot of people on our site and we tell them the whole story of, of about Krios, what went on, like, you know, all the details. And I was like, say, if you guys trust me, stay in our group. If not, like, feel free to leave. There's no, I'm not holding you back just, just so that you can be in my group and attacking me and like just making me feel bad, right? So after that, the whole type just, just changed overnight. We got so much support from people, like big group owners, e-commerce groups. And I made a lot of good friends. Like you only really notice good friends when you're in, in times of like your lowest point. Like all your good and friends. And the highest would... success as well when they celebrate you. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, celebrations, I would say you get a lot of like new friends, right? People that like, I'm not sure, would just want to be with you when you're at the top. But when you're at rock bottom, you see who's your like true, true friends. Right. Right. I so feel like a, if yeah. you have like friends that are at the rock bottom with you and then you rise to the top and they're still there cheering for you, then you know you have the most. Because yeah, I had people, true. when I was at rock bottom, they were there. But as soon as I got to success and I was like, oh my God, it's working finally. And they're like, well, you know, and then jealousy. Yeah. came around the corner and they're like well maybe you were just lucky and i'm like right that <laughs> must be it <laughs> that, that's for sure so initially a lot of people thought we're lucky to be honest when we start yeah. posting they're like all right this guy's got lucky they got one or two winning products and so i, I went back in my old days like in 2009 and I, I started taking out all my screenshots there was no screenshots back then but i do have my merchant accounts so it's like, guys, I've been doing this since 2008, right? I was doing like two, 300, 400K per month. 
and that was not a fluke. I know what I'm doing, and here's the proof. So they're like, they're like, oh, so this Steve has been doing e-commerce since then. He's not like he didn't just pop up like an overnight guru or overnight success story <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you get, I mean, like I've been through all phases in life, like all the ups and downs, like the right. haters, the supporters, and everything. So it's it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. I I I think I develop a really strong internal mindset. Yeah. I don't really give a shit anymore about all these haters. To be honest, I was really affected back then. Right. But I want to dive right in there. So we covered the whole story, which is crazy. And congratulations to like, first of all, surviving that. I know a lot of people who wouldn't get out on the other side stronger. So it's like really. And also like, I just want to pop all the champagne bottles that I don't have because I don't drink. (laughs) But I just want to buy them all and pop them all for you and for even. Thank you. It's amazing what you guys have done. It's like so crazy. But let me dive a little bit deeper into this like low time because I don't Mm -hmm. think that many people can actually imagine what that means to go through. Um, Before we go there, tell me a little bit about how you grew up and also explain why your mom actually moved to China because I don't Mm -hmm. think many people, or maybe maybe I underestimate them, so sorry Mm -hmm. about that, guys. But maybe people don't understand the relationship between Singapore and China and that many Mm -hmm. people in Singapore have Chinese heritage as well. Yeah. So basically, we grew up from a single parent family. So I mean, like my mom sacrificed a lot for me and my brother. So I mean, being able to like just grow up properly as a kid, I think it was already like a blessing in disguise because like we were really, really poor. And like my mom was a florist in like uh, in in a hospital. So, but the thing was that having it uh, having a florist having a floral company inside a hospital. You depend a lot on organic traffic, people that come to visit people, right? And guess what? SARS happened, right? So no visits to the hospital, everything, business was destroyed overnight. And it's not like she has a lot of savings, like we're just going like month after month using whatever's earned. So it was really, really tough. And like, and at the point of time, my my uncle, like who's doing pretty well in China, like she asked if my mom wants to explore doing business with him in 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 China. So, but my uncle wasn't in the floral business, so he he just wanted to like you know get my mom to kind of like just go there to kind of like explore the business together, but he wasn't able to like provide a lot of resources. So I think I gave my mom the encouragement to say like you know when one door closes another door opens, right? So that is why she took the leap of faith to go to China. So Singapore is very different from China. I mean, even though like Singaporeans, like origins is like, you know, we have Chinese blood, but it's two different countries. So even when I was there, it was really tough for me. Like, even though I speak Mandarin, like people there speak the native tongue, they have their own dialects. So it's very hard for me to like even communicate, even though I know how to speak Mandarin. They have a lot of different like terms whereby you call like for example tomato they have different ways of like saying tomatoes so i was like i was kind of like the odd one out even in my school you know i I don't have a lot of friends and so that was what that was why my mom was there and kind of like the one of the main reasons i moved there was because i wanted to accompany my mom because it was really tough enough for her Mm -hmm. like you know being like losing her business in singapore with the whole sars thing 
and like I don't I don't really want her to be alone. So I kind of like volunteered. I said, hey, I want to study in like I was, I was studying in Nottingham University in Ningbo. So it's a UK university that opened a new branch just there. So it was everything was just nice. So I used that reason. I was like, hey, you know, why not? I'll just move there and and go to school there. So and did your brother tag along with you straight away, or did he stay in Singapore? No, he 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 was really my me and my brother we were seven years in age difference. Mm-hmm. So he was like still really small. He was in he was probably still in like middle school. Mm-hmm. So he was he was alone with our helper in Singapore. So we're like all separated in our different um, different regions. So right. me and my mom is in China. My brother's in Singapore. So he lives alone with our helper. And after like when he grows older, he, he also moved to China with us to start high school. So right. we kind of like reunited in a way. But <laughs> nice. I was I was I was I was in Shanghai. Yeah. So like in a sense, we're always like three of us are always separated mm-hmm. until like only recently. Uh, my mom moved back to Singapore, you know, nice. after, because of the whole COVID-19 situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Because she, yeah, she was kind of forced because like, you know, like now China doesn't allow foreigners from going into China, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a blessing in disguise. So she's kind of forced to stay with us for a while. And me and my brother, we just really want to like, you know, do our best in like taking care of our mom. Because like she really gave up pretty much her entire like, you know, things to kind of like support us through education, you know, supporting us through whatever things we need. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of like how things was like, was like growing up in a single parent family. I think, I think it, it kind of like really drives me in a sense, like we really want to like succeed in life so that we yeah. could step up and in, in return, take care of our family mm-hmm. rather than being my mom, like, always going all out for us, like doing whatever she can just to support the family. So I'm really glad how things worked out. So that that's kind of like, that is something that still drives me every single day and how we could like take care of her, not just from like monetary wise, it's probably all aspects of life, but it gave me a very different understanding of money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like money, that's for sure. But it drives me in a way is like, a lot of people say money is not everything. I totally believe in money is not everything. Like you can't buy love with money. You can do a lot of things with money. But without money, there's also a lot of things you can't do. For example, taking care of your parents, buying great supplements, yeah. sending them to good hospitals. There's a lot of things you can't do. Mm-hmm. And it's only verbal care. I call it the verbal way of caring for a person. If you can't directly take care of someone that you really care for. So that is what drives me forward. And that is what I always used to say when people challenge me, Steve, money is not everything. Why are you working so hard for money every single day? Right. And I said, yeah, I said, how, how, how on earth are you going to take care of your parents? Right. Or how on earth are you going to take care of your kids, your wife or whichever, right? So yeah. that's kind of like my mentality that revolves about like money, monetary wise, and I mean, with, with, with all the money we've earned, I mean, I really liked cars back then. So I bought my, I bought my, I bought my first Lamborghini. I bought my second Lamborghini, bought my Porsche. And, and when you start buying those stuff, you're going to get haters. And the yeah. thing, you're going to get a lot of haters. And the thing is like, people don't understand is like people, there's going to be people that really like cars. So back then I wasn't sure. selling, I wasn't selling any courses, digital courses, everything. So people were still okay. So when you start selling courses, 
people would say, oh, this guy bought his Lamborghini from course and everything. And he, they would just forget everything about what you did. And the thing is, we, we only launched our course once and we closed it because like, it's not, we didn't really spend time on it. Yeah. And like, you know, people just forget about all the contributions, all the value that you've done. You know, like they, they would say things like, oh, you rent your Lamborghini and they don't even know how expensive Lamborghinis are or like how, how expensive houses are in Singapore compared to the US. Yeah. So a Lamborghini or any cars, any cars in Singapore is at least three to four times the price in US. Yeah. That's how crazy price is. I'm sure in Thailand, it's also very expensive. It's, yeah. it's really expensive. Yeah. It costs like $100,000 for a Toyota Prius in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, right? So, no, so, yeah. So, I mean, we get, we, get, we get a lot of that until I'm so immune. I'm so immune now. Like, I don't, I don't even care. You know, if you want to be a hater, just do it. It's, it's your life. I thank you for being a hater. That's your life. Just do that. I'll just block the guy. I'll just move on. You know, right. you can't, I, I came to a conclusion. You cannot please every single person in your life. Right. I'll just like manage that. And I feel happy being able to connect with like my big group, like people in my group, people that support me, people that believe in me. And yeah, I think life's great. Uh, despite the whole COVID-19. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's dive in a little bit into this whole hater situation and also into the burnout. What do you think did you learn from your parents, like your mom, your dad, maybe your grandparents as well, mm-hmm. that actually helped you through <clears throat> getting all of the haters, especially in the beginning when you first had it. And then also when the media slashed you with all of this, oh, look at the guy with the Lamborghini slash Ferrari. And, mm-hmm. and now he took all of your money from the crowdfunding and just <laughs> yeah. bought himself all of this stuff. So how did you deal with that? Um, especially in the face, I think a lot of people out there and we do have a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs on the podcast to listen. They may already make like six, seven figures, but obviously like losing all of that money is very different. Mm-hmm. And then yep. being also kind of like ripped apart by the media is mm-hmm. a very yep. different thing. Yep. So tell me about that. So it's two different time frames. So like the, the whole Ferrari thing was like back in Krios in 2013. So I, I was... I, the only thing I took away was don't fight media, right? Because like, there's no way you could prove your innocence despite being truthful and open about it. So I was really aggressive. I, was, I, I posted everything online. I told them the screenshots and the media wrote back and said, Steve Tan clashes with the supporters. He's, he, he, he's like, you know, he's just trying to talk things out and everything. I was like, oh my God, it's like, you know, everything is so black and white. It's so obvious. Like I'm also the, the victim here, but they just don't care. So there's really no way out. So I have to close the company. I have to like go into like depression or I just have to close my business. So I think that kind of like let me starting in the, the next business is because I want to prove myself that I can do it again. But if you were to ask me if there was any like, you know, good, good, solutions for that i think it's all about being able being able to stay positive you know throughout times of crisis like this i think i, I do have a very strong mindset if regardless of like being hit with all these things i was always optimistic that things would take, take there's going to be a miracle but despite there's no miracles 
but I was still thinking that I could turn things around. So after, despite two failures, even though like, you know, I went into a slight depression, I was always still thinking of ways how I could turn things around, going to Forex and eventually having the epiphany <laughs> moment and all that. So I think it's, it's different. So but where did you get short, this from? I think, so I, I attended mindset lesson um, when I was younger. So I think I didn't share the story about like me being a gamer. So like this story went back prior to us being entrepreneurs. So I was, a, I was like, I was a gaming freak. I was like so addicted to gaming that me and my brother would like rotate 24 hour shifts just to train an online character, fighting the big dragons, like, you know, buying all the best equipments, trying to be the number one on the server, right? So the story comes to, like, my mom requires help for me to, like, you know, use the computer to print up some documents for her. But I was, I, was so, I was fighting Big Boss. You know, I was fighting Big Boss with all my online friends trying to, like, you know, kill the dragon. And, and, and she came at the wrong time. I don't blame her for that, right? But she just came and it's like, Steve, could you help me out with this? And like her interrupting me resulted me, my character dead, right? So I was so pissed off. I was like, I was like just go away. Or like, just leave me alone. Like, just get out of my room or something like that. So she was like, she was really hurt. And she went back to her room. She was like crying. And I, I, felt, I felt really bad. So... I said, what happened? I said, what happened? Like she said, you know, I don't see any future for you and your brother at all. I don't see any, like, you know, I don't see any out. I, I sacrificed everything for you guys. And you know, that's how you're like, that's what you're doing with your life. Just playing games. So there is no competitive gaming back then. So probably I could become, a, if there was like different times, I probably could have become a strong gamer. But in a sense, like he was very disappointed that, she was very disappointed that I was like not even being a role model for my brother. So I was getting him along, being addicted in games, filling all his subjects and everything. But after that conversation with my mom, she said something like, you know, if you're so, if you're so determined to be number one in the game, why aren't you doing it in real life? And that, that, that was my first epiphany life moment in my life the the second one was the forex thing <laughs> so the first thing was like and, and i thought like yeah like I'm, I'm working so hard i'm training my characters so hard trying just to buy like equipments like you know like some childish like hat some childish blade equipments for my virtual character and it really woke me up so next day i throw I threw, I threw away all my games, my PlayStation, my Sega Satan. I threw, I threw away every single game that I've owned. And I started, you know, trying to improve myself. So I think that, that was my first, you know, event that I attended. It was like, um, it, it was kind of like a motivation. It, it's kind of like the Tony Robbins wannabe kind of like version. And, but it was great. It was really good. It, it really gave me a strong foundation. And it's like, Focus on the outcome and do whatever it takes to bring yourself to the next step. And it gave me a good foundation in terms of like, you know, my mindset, when, it, when you encounter failures, what you should do and just be focused on what you want to become. So I think that was like, you know, my early days and it gave me a very 
a very good foundation. So I think, to be honest, if I have a kid next time, I'll probably want to like send him to something similar to give him a strong foundation when he's like a little bit more naive. You know, life's good. The world's friendly. Everyone's going to be good to each other. You know, just to help him build a strong foundation and what real life is going to be eventually. So yeah, I think that's kind of like how I was able to tie through the first hardship and the whole the whole thing about haters in the next part when uh, you know when we found success with the whole e-commerce, dropshipping, softwares, agencies, and all different businesses was like I think I I forgot what was the book that I read, but you know when I posted that on my group like you know there's always so many people that's nice and the people that's hating is usually the minorities right so people would screenshot like one of my moderators screenshot me something like steve you need to read this book and i think like he screenshot the page and highlighting it to me like you cannot please everyone in in the world or something like that and mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's right like i just i just want to be myself i just want to do what i like i just want to drive the car i like myself and, you know, I don't have to care about all the people that, that's hating or like, you know, that's the minority people. And one of them said something like the ship, oh, sorry, the wolf doesn't value the opinions of the ship or something like that. I forgot yeah. what's the exact term. So it, it's like, yeah, that's true. Like, why should I care about all the people that's bitching about like all these kind of things when money is going into my pocket and like I'm living the life, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing uh, information and that I'm changing lives with my mastermind, with my courses, with my the value that I'm giving out and staying true to what I believe in, I think that's good enough for me. So I think that's what I, I feel. I might be wrong, but all the things that happen, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And all the hardship that I've went through, all the shit that I've went through kind of makes me a stronger person so that I could tackle Absolutely. bigger hills. Yeah, probably climb... Mouth Everest in the future. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm gonna do that, but you know, in a sense, I feel I feel really great. Uh, I mean, being able to to come back from zero, but it also made me aware of that nowhere in hell I want to go back to ground zero again. Right. Because, like, I think one of the things that I take I uh, I really value is like all the experience, all the failures that I've been through. A lot of people are sharing success, like, oh, what I've done, but no one is sharing like all the like the dirty things or all the like, you know, the behind the scenes. Like That's why we're here. Yeah. So in a sense, in a sense, I really feel that like I was really aggressive like when I was younger. Like, you yeah. know, I was really younger. And you know, when you read all these motivation books, what do they tell you? They say you have to go all in. Right, I think when they mean go all in is your mindset, but I'm not sure if they meant go all in with all your savings, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I went all I'm in with sure. all my savings. Yeah. yeah. So I went all in with all my startups. So I was like, if I if I believe in this project, I'm gonna go all in. So despite like you know like despite my friends telling me not to do that. You know, all the projects I've done, the two startups, which is why I've, I have less than like less than 200 US in, in my bank account when I, I closed down the second startup, right? And I really reflected on, is it true that you can go all in in your savings? And when I spoke with some friends, 
that you know does professional poker like gaming you know they play poker professionally they always have like a backup plan you know you know how how they would uh, i mean i just observe i don't gamble but i observe how these guys are doing it and chatting with like all these like professional like players you know you you get to see how these guys think you get to learn and observe how these guys think you know they wouldn't take unnecessary risk and they would only go all in if they're like 100% they have like royal flush or it's 100% they're going to win the game. So yeah. it's very interesting. So eventually, even though my business for dropshipping is doing great, I started investing. I think started, uh, we set up a small fund. We call it the Super Town Brothers Fund. Love and it. we started investing into like small startups. Like, you know, we started investing in softwares. We started investing in agencies, education, and all that kind of stuff, which it helped a lot. So we're trying to build up like passive income. Mm-hmm. So like things that are not led by us, like it's led by entrepreneurs that are hungry, that are young, they, that they believe they could change the world. Because like, if it's all about yourself, which is, which is what I did before, everything is like myself, myself, my brother, myself, and I'm not willing to share. You know, I have to own 100% of the company. I have to own like all the equity. I'm not willing to give up equity in the, in, in the past. But right now, I think I, I made a drastic change in, in doing business. I'm, I love to share. I think sharing is caring. And I feel that like if you're willing to share, and of course you have to be willing to share with the right people. If you're willing to share with the wrong people, you're going to be, you're going to get a lot of problems too. <laughs> right. right. So, but I'm really blessed that I was able to have a lot of great partners. So I think we have around 15 partners right now. Yeah. All in different, like yeah, different, different companies, different niche, different company industries, and it, it was it was great. It was it was it was really great because like you know I have different CEOs running different companies day to day. I only get involved probably like one or two like calls per month. You know, checking the books, checking reports, and they are happy. I'm happy. I was able to add value. I was able to scale the company like five four or five X, seven X and, and so on and so forth. And it was, it was fun. You know, I, I kind of felt that being able to get more talents to your company, to your group is going to be what makes the difference. And because a lot of uh, entrepreneurs share, but you wouldn't understand the logic behind it until you go through some like hardship or some things that happen in life like about, you know, why you should get so many talents. Everyone knows you need to get talents in the group, but they don't know how to attract the right talents. They don't know yeah. what, what, what requirements or what requisites to look for in a good partner. So going after the whole curious thing, and I mean, I've been cheated a lot in my past because when money comes easily, you, you tend not to cherish it like a lot. Right. So yeah, I was cheated a lot. Like even before the whole career thing, I invested in some shady partners, and that's what led to. That's why I believe that is the reason why I have good partners right now. Because I've been, I've been through a lot. I've been cheated. I know what to look out for for great partners, and that's the whole process. And I believe it's what makes me a better investor or what makes me a better business person of all the hardship and it's always critical to always look back and reflect on the mistakes 
Absolutely. You know, not just not just celebrating the success, but always looking back on what could actually help make you a better person, on what could actually, what kind of decisions have you made that you think could could have been better. So I think that's one of the things that me and my brother we always do it on a consistent basis. We always reflect: Have we done any decisions that we regretted? Have we done any decisions that we think that could have been done better? I think these are all the kind of things that we are so used to doing on a frequent basis to make sure we're keeping all of us in the right track and we're always working towards our you know, next milestone, our next goal and being driven and staying happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're about to wrap up the podcast, but I have a question before we get to the last two ones. And mm-hmm. how do you feel is it working with your brother? Because I feel like um, a lot of people would maybe not be as efficient or happy um if i think about working with my sister and i'm very sure she would agree we would probably make it a day and a half (laughs) (laughs) i think it's very different for me because like me and my brother like i mean growing up as a single uh, from a single parent family i mean me and my brother we are very close since like since young i was being very different because like i know a lot of kids don't like to have siblings because they feel they're gonna the, the next the next kid in town is going to steal all the attention from the parents and everything. But it's it's different for me because I was really bored, you know. Because me and my brother are seven years difference, and and the fact is I was bored because my parents weren't there to like you know play with me and all that kind of stuff. So I was very looking forward to having a brother. You know, mm-hmm. so I was really, I was really close with my brother since young till like now, even now, nothing's changed. Only, you know, we, we got closer when we're doing business together because there's so much more things we could interact and discuss. Nice. Back then, it's usually only like, oh, what do you think of this shirt? What do you think of this, uh, this, this game? You know, we play games together. But, you know, after like, you know, working together, I think it's his, I think Evan is, is also like someone that's, that helped change my life in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because I, I most, I would say 100% of all my partners prior to Evan was shit. If not a scammer, there's some, they, they did some way to try to like backstab me or just mm-hmm. try to like, uh, you know, make me lose money. But, you know, being a brother, it's very rare that, you know, things like, you know, being your brother could like really backstab you. But I, I've seen a lot of horror stories, but me and my brother is like, I mean, we have been yeah, close since young. And... It's someone that I know is going to help me. You know, like there's a hundred percent trust thing between us. So I, I would say, you know, after Evan comes on board, things my whole situation starts to turn better. You know, I could focus on things that I I, I could do best and I could, you know, allocate and delegate things that I think Evan could do best. Of course, mm-hmm. it's not like immediate, it takes a process from being from a worker mindset to becoming an entrepreneur mindset because like he, he just graduated from school, you know, he helped me out in like a lot of projects, but he's, he's helping out as like probably an executioner. Right. But I want to train him up as a CEO so that he could delegate stuff, which takes probably like a, a, a whole process. And I'm very proud to say he's like, you know, spearheading a lot of projects right now. He's taking on, like he's managing a lot of people and he's like my CEO for our e-com side of things. And I, that is why I have the time to like invest in new businesses, get in, start, you know, I manage all my partners. So I kind of feel like everyone is cut out or 
for different things. And yeah. I enjoy my time like talking with my partners. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy like talking business. I enjoy like new things. You know, I enjoy like getting to new projects that I see there's potential that we can get involved in different ways in helping the entrepreneurs scale their business. So I think one of the new the business that I'm probably gonna do in the future is we're gonna set up like an angel fund, you know, to invest in more startups in a more you know in a more strategic framework whereby I have like my fund manager like you know going through coming deals, then I'll do the final approvals or like you know and that kind of stuff. So I think yeah, that's kind of like I would say if you have a sister, brother, whichever, I highly recommend working with them because like. When 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 shit happens, or when everything falls, I think family is always, you know, there. I mean, if you have good families, for sure, yeah. and that's the prerequisite, <laughs> right? They're going to be the last support for you, despite right. like having no money, despite despite being like the 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 biggest hater in the world, like you know, being hated in the world or whichever. They're still going to love you, as per who you are. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think having, having, being able to work with your family in the right way, I think is, is, is awesome. I love that. I can definitely say that my sister is always and has always been also my strongest supporter in the way that she supports. Like sometimes we need different ways. So that's for yep. sure. But I can definitely say, and I love her very much. We will never work together. I know that. But also it's so interesting because we are just, I don't know how it happened, but we are very, very different. Yep. She is very German in her just like in the way she she thinks and she has her family and everything yeah. she would never mm -hmm. move away traveling is still a little bit foreign for her as a, just she is not interested and I'm like I don't know I don't feel home in Germany am I even German I'm sure something <laughs> is German I'm efficient I've, I've, met, sure. I've, met, I've met a lot of people that doesn't work well with siblings and I think that's the majority because I get that question a lot mm. Like from my, like, you know, from my friends, from my business partners, like, hey, how, do, how are you able to work with your brother so well? And all that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's also how, I think it's very different depending on the way that we're brought up and how close, yeah. like, we are since young, you know. So, I mean, I really wanted my brother to work together with me because, like, you know, since young, I was always trying to motivate him. You know, like, I was telling him, like, with the amount that I'm earning right now, it takes a normal person probably like a few years just to get to where I am in one month. Right. So I'm trying to give him, I'm trying to like brainwash him since young and <laughs> why it, he should be an entrepreneur <laughs> in the future. So I think that, that sets like a, a foundation in certain ways and how we could potentially eventually work together. So yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, amazing. All right, last two questions. Number one, what does efficiency mean to you, Steve? I think efficiency means like being able to do things in the fastest and probably smartest way, I would say. And like, you know, a lot of people do things slow because they don't know what they're good at. So I think placing the right people at the right position and showing them the framework and the milestones and the baby steps that they need to get there is being efficient in like their work or probably in their life or whichever. So I think that's my, I think that's my take on efficiency. 
Love it. And I think for you, this, this next question is going to be easier than for my other guests. So if you would have to push the reset button, which you've had to do it a few times already, so, uh -huh. but you have all the knowledge that you had before, which are the uh -huh. three things that you would do over and over again to get back up to success? I'll definitely learn digital marketing for sure. Digital marketing, I'll invest, I'll, if I have to re, sorry, so if I was to reset this, what yeah. was the three things I would do? But you, from scratch. Yeah, but the things that you know already. So you keep your knowledge, but you have to push the reset button for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So what three are things. the three things that got you to success, basically? Yeah. Okay, I think one, the first one thing is definitely mindset. I mm -hmm. think mindset is definitely very critical in success. I think it's going to be there with or without like any friends, family, despite being in the rock bottom, I think having a strong mindset, believing in self is, I think the most critical thing that you need to have. I think second thing is probably you need to be a hustler. You can have all the biggest dreams in the world, but if you're not someone that's able to execute or take action, because like you need a certain amount of like, you know, hustle, hardworking, in yourself to be able to like drive progress. So I think I, I'm a big fan of like uh, Elon Musk. This guy is like a crazy work ethic. Uh, you know, he's a crazy hustler. He has crazy work ethics. Like I think I, I God knows how many hours he works per day, uh, per day or per, per week. You know, I think I, I strongly believe in working hard because reason why I said that is because if you're up against someone who's smarter than you, has more resources than you, and works harder than you, there's the probability of beating this guy as a competitor is 0%. So there, the only thing that's fair is time. The only thing that's like, everyone has the same resources, right? In a sense of like time. But if, you, if you're not even able to like commit time or probably work hard, there's really nothing much that like, you know, your competitor could like just destroy you using all his resources or like networks or uh, money or whichever. So I think being able to work hard is definitely one thing. And the last thing is, hmm, what, what I would have done different. Hmm. I think having the digital marketing knowledge is definitely one of the most important keys in turning my tide. I think I'm very, I'm very, very grateful that like having no money pushed me to digital marketing because if I was given a lot of money by my parents, I probably would have gone into retail. And I've noticed so many business owners right now having difficulties in digital marketing because they don't even know. It's like an alien subject to them, especially right now when COVID-19 happens. The first people to die is retail, hotels, and all that kind of stuff because they are, it's, 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 it's sad because like people only realize digital marketing is important when shit happens like this. So I, I get a lot of requests, Steve, what could I do? Should I do this? Should I run some ads for my business? I was like, I've told you that three years ago, you should get in, you need to start learning digital marketing. You need to get your products and platforms. It doesn't matter if it's like, shopping networks or it doesn't matter if it's like you know your own website and and the last thing i would say probably being able to diversify risk i think that's uh i think that's one of the ways i would 
keep myself afloat. Even though, like, to be honest, like, even if my dropshipping business goes to zero now, I wouldn't be like afraid because I have a lot of other business that's like, you know, churning out, bringing in money every day, you know, to the business. So I think that is being able to like, you know, be aware of your, of your, your risk and being able to diversify your risk is definitely very, very critical. Amazing. So yeah, I think that's three or four things yeah. that I think, yeah. <laughs> Who counts? Not we. We are not German over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve, thank you so much for all of your time, for the amazing, amazing insights in your story and for everything that you just brought to the table here. Yeah, it was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank yeah, you. definitely. And please tell everyone where they can find you and what they can find there so they're not missing out on all of that knowledge that you share. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I mean, you, they can easily search me on Google or they could just visit my site, uh, our personal site. It's called supertimebrothers.com. Or if they would like to learn free knowledge uh, in terms of e-commerce, they could find me on Facebook groups. It's called e-commerce elites mastermind. Or if they want to follow me on um, Instagram or Facebook, it's like Steve Tan. So yeah, I mean, we drop a lot of knowledge bombs from time to time. We do like asking anything. We do Facebook Live and all that just to like help everyone. So be looking forward to connect with like your audience. And yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. And if you didn't quite catch up on what all the names are, don't worry. Just scroll down to the show notes and find all of the links down below. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe and I'll catch you next week. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks, Monique. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.